It is so, there we go. Hey, welcome back. All right. Hey, it's so good to see you. Like I said earlier, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in this room. And this is how many dads we have in here today that actually filled out cards. So what we're going to do is, as I'm going to draw a card here in just a moment, and the winner of that will win this Igloo cooler right here. That's right. Like I said, estimated value. I'm not sure, $10 to $500 right in that area, okay? So here's how we'll do it, all right? I'm going to do a couple little uh, sleight of hand tricks because I already know who's going to win this because, again, I'm a magician, so I know how to do this kind of stuff, okay? I'm just going to do one of those. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, thank you. She enjoyed that one. All right, so I'm not going to do that. I won't do any cheating here, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut the deck a couple times just so there is no favoritism except for that one card that I'm going to pick. <laughs> okay, it's a lot of cards here, so I, I want to make sure I... Have you ever played 52-card pickup? <laughs> Would anybody like to... Okay, so how I'm going to do this is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start just dropping them, and you say stop. Okay, ready? <laughs> I think that was the majority stop. Now, do you want this bottom card or do you want the top card? <laughs> top card? Okay, so top card it is. So here's our winner, must be present to win. Victor Guzman. Victor. Victor Guzman. Victor? Where's Victor? I can't see Victor. Come here, Victor. Come on, man. You win. And as you notice here, Every single card on here says Victor Guzman, okay? Now, <laughs> happy Father's Day, my guy. Absolutely. Enjoy that, okay? I don't want to see that at the pawn shop down the street. All right? Don't go sell it, all right? Use it. Let me put these over here. All righty. All right, guys, hey, if you got your Bibles, open up to Esther chapter 5. Esther chapter 5. Well, no, we have to have, because of Father's Day, I have to tell a dad joke. Because those are fun. There was this small boy, and he was with his dad at the zoo. And they're at the tiger exhibit. They're looking at the tiger exhibit, and this young little boy, he pops up and says, Hey, Dad, if this tiger was to escape and get out and eat you, and now the young, you know, the dad is like, oh, he's ready to console his child. And he's going to, it's okay, honey. You know, I'm, I'm going to have, you know, whatever. But he's ready to console his son. He says, yes, son, if the tiger got out and ate me, what's your question? And he looked up and said, what bus do I take to get to uh, back home? <laughs> no? Okay, how about this one? Oh, we can do this all day. No. A policeman knocked on a guy's door and said, hey, sir, your, uh, your wife uh, looks like she's been in an accident. He goes, I know, but she's got an amazing personality. <laughs> oh, some of y'all just got it, okay. <laughs> some it was like, what does that mean? Oh, that's so mean. No, it's just a joke. She was in a real accident. All right, so... Um, 
<laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so we're going to jump into Esther 5. Let me kind of go over the last couple of days and the last couple of weeks. I'm sorry. If you haven't actually gone and visited or, or, or heard our, our sermons on this, Pastor Key and even Pastor Harley uh, opened up this series. Go back and watch them. There's some great, great messages there. And today we're in chapter 5. But let me kind of back it up and just kind of give us a little overall what's been going on, you know. So we're going to look at <coughs> the rest of the Esther story in chapter 5 today. But let's review a little bit of the situation. You will recall that Esther has won the Miss Persian beauty contest, okay? She's become queen. Now, she's queen to King Xerxes here. Eight years goes by here, and the evil man Haman, dun, 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 because each story has to have a villain, right? Right? So we have to have a villain here. So eight years later, the Haman now is given the powerful position, except for second powerful position, uh, under the king. So he's in control here. And he had a long, long standing hatred for the Jewish people. He did not like them. He never did. And so he, that, that's kind of been, you know, irking at him. And now... This even put just more flame to the fire is when Mordecai, we've been learning about Mordecai, uh, who's related to Esther, refused to bow down. So he refused to bow down to this man, okay, because it says God is who I'm going to only bow down to, not this, man, I'm not this man. So he says, I'm not doing it. I refuse to bow down. So Haman decides not to just kill Mordecai. He's going to kill every Jew that exists. That's holding a grudge, okay? That's, that's some very serious hatred when you really think about it here. So not only does he want him dead, he wants his entire race dead. So the king approved Haman's plan. And he says, sure, man, you want to go kill the Jews? Go ahead and eliminate and annihilate every single one of them. And so Mordecai, knowing this, calls for Esther and says, hey, listen, uh, you're going to have to do something here. You're going to have to do something. And Mordecai kind of gives her two things. And these two things are this. First, uh, he says, you're dead anyway. Okay? You're dead anyway. You're Jewish. All right? Because the fear was, she said this, it's been 30 days before I've ever appeared in front of the king. I can't just show up in front of him uninvited or I'll be killed. That's just basically the law. That's what happens. I can't just walk in front of him. So she's got that weighing on her. I will die if I go to the king. So now Mordecai says, look, you're going to die anyway, okay? So you know what? We might as well go do something. That's the first thing he says. The second thing he says, maybe you've been put here for a reason. This was last week's message, a purpose in your life. Maybe this is the purpose for your life. This is the purpose that you've been sent here for this particular reason for such a time as this. Yes, everyone knows that one, all right? So it's time for her now to stand up. It's time for her to stand up and say, all right, I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to do this. But, she said, I'm going to need you to do this. I need you for three days, go and pray. Go and pray, go and fast for three days, and then I'm just going to approach the king. And the last thing we read last week was this, if I perish, then I perish. And, it, you know, just kind of stopping there for a second. That should be always the first thing we do, right? Anytime we're facing any type of critical thing in our life, anything that we have to stand up for, have courage for, we should pray and fast. Amen? Absolutely. That's the first thing and foremost, you know, the best thing. Always do that. But this seems, this story, and I love this story, and as Pastor Key has mentioned and, and even Pastor Harley mentioned in the very beginning, is that God is not mentioned here, but he's all over this, isn't he? 
He's all over it. He may not be mentioned. He may not be speaking to them, but he is all over this story. And I love this story because it's a story, it seems like, right out of a movie, right? This is right out of a movie. This is like Mission Impossible. This is like, you know, you're given a mission, and here's what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Anybody ever seen Mission Impossible, right? So what happens is you get this thing where they come in. Uh, and, and they tell this, you know, secret agent, here's what's going to happen. And once that happens, all right, it's impossible. Once they hear it, it's impossible. And they always say this, your mission, should you decide to accept. Everybody know this? It's mission impossible. Well, I don't know if y'all know that one or not. <laughs> so when Esther accepted this, uh, accepted this task, she had this. She, had her, she was agreeing to embark on this mission impossible. So Esther 5, let's see what's happening here. So go to Esther 5 and read along with me. I'm going to read through this whole story. I'm going to talk a little bit into it, but we will uh, get into it, then we're going to break it down. All right? Here we go. Esther chapter 5, you got your Bibles. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes. She stood in the inner courts of the palace in front of the king's hall. I love that. She didn't just wear her bathrobe. She didn't. She put on her royal robe. She put on something that she knew was going to attract him, you know, and so she's planning this. She knows. And you got to think what's going on right here in her mind, in her head. Remember, if she's not invited to do this, if she's not invited, the king could say, if he's having a bad day, this is a bad move, yes? And she's having a, if he's having a bad day, it's, you're dead. So she's feeling this, and she puts on her royal robes, and then she goes and now stands in front of the king's hall. The king now was sitting on the royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased. Oh, that's what we see in the story. We get to go, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And with, so he sees her, saw the queen standing in the court. He was pleased with her and held out his gold scepter uh, that is in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Verse 3 says, then the king asked, hey, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, I will be giving it to you. I will give it to you. Verse 4, if it pleases the king, replied Esther. Now she's going to go back with this. Let the king together with Haman. Come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asked. So now she has just invited the man who's going to annihilate every Jew to a party. I don't know. This is, what she, this is her plan. All right. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. Verse 6, as they were drinking wine, the king asked again, Esther, Esther, what is it is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted to you. Esther replied, my petition and my request is this. This is where if you stop, you're going, okay, here it is. She is about to throw Haman under the bus. She's about to say exactly what he, she wants. She's about to say, he wants to kill me. I am Jewish and, and, and we're all going to die. I need you to do something, my king. No. She invites him to another party. Interesting. And you got to wonder, what was she thinking? Did she, did she lose courage or is this part of her plan? Did, did, she, did, she, did she freak out a little bit? Did she not stand up for a minute? Or did she just go, this is part of the plan? So here's what she says. Esther replied, my petition, my, uh, my request is this. If the king regards me with favor and if it pleases the king to grant my petition, fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I have prepared for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Okay, so tomorrow. She's about to lay this down. So there's two parties here, two things happening, and this is what's happening. Now, Haman, okay, let's just look at Haman for a second. He went out that day happy, high spirits, 
But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate, observed that neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, all right, uh, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman returned to his home. He tells his wife, you're not going to believe this. I'm just going to paraphrase the rest of it. He says, hey, listen, I just got invited to a party. and I was the only one invited. All right. The queen loves me. Okay. The king loves me. And so I am in with them. I'm excited about this. And, but this guy, Mordecai, he still won't bow down. And his wife and his friend says, hey, you ought to do 70-foot-high stick you ought to put out there and impale him on it. That's a fantastic idea. I'm going to do that. So he actually has this thing built, and he has it put out in the courtyard, 75 feet high. Somebody's getting impaled on it. That's where we're stopping today. You'll have to come back next week to see if that happens. <laughs> but let's break all the rest of it down, okay? So going back to this, I believe in looking at this and how, you know, as we kind of look into this, her mission objectives were this, all right? Let's look at her mission objectives, and let's look at what it took for her to stand up. Let's look what it took for her to have the courage to do this. Because, I mean, I really think we can learn something from her on taking courage uh, and, and, and being encouraged to do something that maybe God is calling us to do. So a couple things. One, she says, take a stand. Well, I mean, her mission objective was this. Take a stand and speak to the king. That was the first mission objective. You had to take a stand. Uh, you had to go and speak to the king. Esther had to break the law. She had to actually break the law, which the penalty was death. Next one was take a stand and let him know she was Jewish. That was part of it as well. Take a stand and let him know she was Jewish. Had to, Esther had to confess that he, she has been keeping this secret from him. That's a big one. That, that, that's telling him that, you know what, I've been lying to you in a way because I'm Jewish. Another one was taking a stand to convince the king to reverse an irreversible law. That's a huge stand that had to be taken. She had to convince him. Maybe this is why she said, let's have two parties. Maybe this is why we tried the first party. We don't know this, but maybe in her gut, she started feeling like, you know what? I can't do it right here. Maybe this is not the party I need to do it in. Maybe the vibe wasn't it. Has anybody ever been there before where you, you knew you had to speak up? You knew you had to say something. You knew you had to stand up for something. And you get to that situation and the Holy Spirit kind of says, not now. Have you ever done that before? Maybe with a boss, maybe with a friend, maybe with somebody you just felt like you just really needed to say something to them. And it's been just irking at you and conviction and all that's been moving in you. And you're like, yes, you've rehearsed it. How many of you guys ever rehearsed an argument in the mirror? Maybe not the mirror, but you know you've rehearsed the argument. You know exactly every word you were going to say, everything you were going to say, every moment that you were going to, you know, every word that was going to come out of your mouth. And you stand there in front of them. It's right there. It's right here. And all of a sudden you go, Hey, man, you want to have dinner tomorrow night? Maybe then I'll say. I don't know. We don't know exactly why. But she says, hey, let's do this again later. I'm not sure. A lot of stuff going on in her at this point. Take a stand, convince the king to, uh, to, to reverse an inversible law. And then she had to take a stand to oppose Haman. She's got to oppose him, the most powerful person on earth other than the king. She's got to oppose him. Then, of course, she had to hatch a plan, right? How's she going to hatch this plan to strike serious blow to the king's pride? There's a, there's a lot going on here. But the question is, let me ask you a question today. And then we'll answer this and we'll be done here a little bit. The question is this. What are you willing to take a stand for? As Christians, and I'm talking to believers in this room, those of you that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, those of you that know Christ, those of you that have your name written in that Lamb's book of life, those of you that know Jesus as your Lord, you've confessed your sins, you've, you know Jesus, 
talking to you. What are we willing to stand for in this world? There's a lot to stand for, isn't there? There's a lot to stand for. And the next question is, do we have the courage to take a stand? Do we have the courage to take a stand? It took a lot of courage for Esther to stand up. It took a lot of courage for her to put on those robes and go stand in front of that king. And it's going to take even more courage for her to throw Haman under the bus and let the king know this, which you'll find out next week, all right? But fear is one of those things that can freeze us up, isn't it? Fear is one of those things when we know that we're supposed to do something. God has even called us to do it. Fear can come in and grab a hold of us. I read this this week, that there is a disease. This disease is called Urbach White Disease. And only 400 people on the planet have this condition. It's pretty wild. The condition is they don't experience fear. Can you imagine that? They don't have that feeling that you and I have when something jumps out on you, when a car pulls out in front of you. When a, now, they understand rationally. They don't go and stand on top of a building and jump off, you know, and go, I'm not going to die because I have no fear. No, no, no. They understand if you jump off a building, you die. If you stand in the street, you get hit by a car. But as you and I would stand on top of a building, there's that fear of whatever that feeling that just strikes up in us. They don't have that. Could you imagine living life without that? That would be pretty wild. I don't know how I would deal. Now, people have asked me all the time, are you sure you don't have that? <laughs> no, yes, I do. Okay. I do get afraid. All right. Fear is good. Uh, all, I, I think all of us would have that fear to be Esther to go standing there and risk death, except for these 400 people. They would not. Okay. So here's what courage is. It takes courage to stand up. And this is what my challenge is for us today. It's for us to find courage to stand up for what we believe in. One, as Christians, standing up for Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Standing up for Jesus Christ is Lord. Standing up for that there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. Standing up for the fact that, that he is the one and only one who forgives sins and writes our names in that Lamb's book of life. There is only one. Standing up for that as Christians, not falling into the patterns of this world that we see too often. Can I get an amen on this one? Okay, thank you. I was hoping for one. All right, here's what courage is. Courage is the quality of mind or spirit that enables us to meet danger, to, for us to meet opposition or challenges of life with fearlessness, calmness, and firmness. Now, someone who has courage may still feel afraid there's no, there's no, you still feel afraid. If you have courage, there's still, there's still a afraid going on. But through the power of God, you act with confidence. I love what John Wayne said. He said, courage is being scared to death and getting on the horse anyway. Right? Being scared to death, but I'm getting up there because I know I'm supposed to. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think you can be talked into having courage? Do you think you can be motivated to have courage? The story was brought to my attention. I went to Galveston, my hometown. By the way, it's right up here. Galveston right there. It says 191 miles. I don't know if you see that on the palm tree right there. So I went to Galveston and took a tour with my brother. My brother and I were driving around with the family, and we were talking about all things. Have you all ever done this? You go back to your hometown, and you take family members and things and go, hey, I saw this happen on this corner, and I did this on that corner. I jumped off that building there. Anybody? Okay. Well, we're driving around, we're looking at our schools that we went to and all this kind of stuff, and my, my wife and my son's there, and we're all just telling them. They both fell asleep, but we had a great time just talking about this stuff. And one of the stories came up where I talked my brother into having courage. 
So we were at the beach a week before this incident, uh, I'll call it an incident, and we saw, I don't know if you've ever seen this, parasailing. You ever seen parasailing? So someone takes a parachute, and they strap you in it, uh, and they had a truck out there, and they, you know, tied a rope to the truck, or it was like a, like a pulley or something, and they let the guy out, and he would just kind of hover over. We saw this and went, wow, that's cool. Went to our mom and said, mom, can we do that? And she was like, 20 bucks a person? No. So we are like, okay, no worries, but we saw it. Well, the very next week, my brother and I was at a construction site. Don't get ahead of me. And I see this giant plastic that they use for pouring concrete. And I said, look, Lanta, that looks just like one of those parachutes. I said, there's a whole spool of rope over here. We can make our own parasail. And he's like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I said, no, trust me. <laughs> so I go over there and I take the two corners and I tie knots in each one of the corners. I tie rope to each one of those corners. I go all the way in. I tie a knot in the very beginning. I'm just kind of doing what I thought I saw at the beach. And then I looked at him. I said, hey, buddy, you're the lightest one here. Let's go you first. He says, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, no, 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 you have to trust your older brother. I have nothing but good things, uh, you know. <laughs> I only have the best for you, sir. You know, he's like, okay. And so I start tying him in, and he's going, I don't know if I like this or not. I'm not sure this is good. And I looked at him, you know, he's smaller than me. He was a younger brother. And I go, hey, I got you. I'm your older brother, man, okay? And so I tie him all in there, and he's like, so I'm building him up, though. I'm like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be awesome. You're going to be able to go back to school and say, you built your own parasail, and you got to float over Galveston Island, okay? You're going to love this. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so he starts now, yeah, okay, I want to be the first one. I want to. So I talked him into it, all right? So I tie all this stuff on him. I got ropes on his shoulders, around his waist, everything. I tie the rope here, and then we have a guide rope, and, you know, so we had a couple other friends there. They all get over there on the parachute. They hold it up. And if you've ever been to Galveston, there's a lot of wind. And we just throw it up. And all of a sudden, I'm talking, whoosh. That wind grabbed a hold of it and just goes, we had him. And he just goes, Wah! and he goes right up. And we're just letting the rope out, letting the rope out. We're just going, man, going to town. And he's just going up and up and up. And I look up at him. He's doing this. And I go, look, he's having an amazing time. What had happened was the rope kind of came up here and was cutting off his breath. He couldn't breathe. He was up there actually screaming. <laughs> so he's up there. We're thinking he's having an amazing time, and we're just letting out the rope, letting out the rope, letting out the rope, not paying attention that there was an end of the rope. Forgetting last weekend when we saw this whole thing happen, it was tied to a truck. We didn't tie it to anything. So it was, yeah, man, you look amazing. Uh-oh. And this dude took off. And I'm going, oh, no. You talk about scared. I got to go home now and say I lost my brother over the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> and so I'm now running after the rope. I'm chasing it. Well, us letting go of the rope caused the rope to slide down, caused him to be able to breathe. So it saved his life anyway, right? That's how I look at it. So he's going, we're chasing the rope down, we're, ch we're diving after it. You imagine this, in 1980s, these kids, you know, running, diving after this rope, trying to get it, trying to pull him down. Finally, he starts to float down a little bit. We get the rope, we pull him all the way down, we unhook him and all that kind of stuff. And I go, wasn't that amazing? And he goes, I'm telling mom, and ran off. 
you know, we could talk people into, you know, having courage. And maybe it's not real courage, uh, you know, maybe it's not. But I want to talk about this. What is real courage? What is real courage? Okay. And so let me break this down to you and then we'll pray here in a second. So what is real courage? Real courage is this. Number one, if you're writing things down, is taking action. Real courage is us actually taking action. Okay. We can't just sit. And if we think about this, God even said, Jesus said it. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. He said, go. He didn't say wait. He didn't say hang on, I'll let you know. He said, no, go. That is to each and every believer in this room. He wants us to go make disciples of all nations. What is real courage? It's taking action. All right? Don't just talk about it. We got to what? Be about it. That is taking action. God wants us to take action. If you look at Esther chapter 5, 1, she took action. Now it happened on the third day. Remember, Esther put on the royal robe. She stood in the inner courts, the king's palace, across from the king's house. Which, while the king sat at the royal, robe, uh, at the royal throne, in the royal house, facing the entrance of the throne. She did it. She actually took action. The real courage was not her saying, yes, I will do this, uh, Mordecai. Yes, I'm going to make this happen and then go and sit and think about it. No, she went, she put on the royal robes, and she says, I'm going to go stand in front of this place. And what happens, what happens? She took action. Everybody say action. She took action. I was reading this story, and there was no, I don't think there was another option for her. I mean, yes, there was. But for real, I think she finally figured out there is no other option in this. There's a show called Rescue, uh, Combat Rescue, and I, I suggest not watching it. I've watched it too many times, and it's made me cry every single time. And one of, the show involves this. These men sit in a room, and they wait. These men, this is filmed in Afghanistan during the Afghanistan war and some of the Middle East wars, right? They're combat soldiers who have medical experience. So they're doctors who are combat soldiers, trained all kinds of ways. And they sit in this room, and they, just like firefighters, they wait until they get the red light. And this red light shines, which means it's on. Which means a soldier has gone down, or many soldiers have gone down, and their job was to get dropped off on a helicopter, fight their way in, rescue those who've been shot and who've been hurt, and pull them out of the battle and pull them all the way in to save their lives. Well, I was watching an episode, and one of the younger soldiers said this. This was his comment. He says, we can't go out. It was a real bad day. Real bad. It was, it was horrible fighting and a lot going on. He says, we can't go out. We'll never get back. And the guy said back to him, the captain, he says, we have to go out. We have to go out. We don't have to come back. And I thought that was an incredible statement. We have to go out. We don't have to come back. We have to go help. And God is calling us to go out. He says, you may not come back, but he's calling us to go out. And it's calling us to take action. And love John Quincy Adams' quote. He says, if your actions, our actions, if our actions inspire others to dream more, to learn more, to do more, to become more, then we're a leader. God wants us to lead. He wants us to take action so we can inspire others. James 1.22 says, don't just merely listen to the word, so deceive yourself. He says this, do what it says. Do what it says. 
So God's calling us to do what it says. So what is real courage? Real courage is us taking action. Here's the next one. Real courage is rewarded. Real courage is rewarded. We'll see even further on in this statement what it, what, what, when it's more rewards. But here's the first reward of this courage for Esther. Esther 5.3. And the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. Her courage was rewarded. For her saying, I'm putting on these robes. What happens, what happens? If I perish, I perish. I'm going to stand right here and let's see what happens. And guess what? It was rewarded. He said, come on in. What do you want? I'm going to give you up to half. I love that. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 4 says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. Listen to this again. Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch for every cloud, they will never harvest. So if we just wait, nothing's going to happen. If we just wait and don't act and don't look for the reward, nothing is going to happen. God is calling us to move. So how are you going to step out in your faith? How are you guys going to step out in your faith? Christians in this room, what are you going to do? What will you do in attempt to stop playing it safe? And I believe that's too much of what we do. We play it safe. Well, I don't want them to think this of me. Well, I, I don't want them to think that of me. And so we play it safe. It's time to take some risks for the kingdom of God. Amen? It's time to take some risks. So if you're going to do that, if you may be sitting here right now saying, yes, I want to be like Esther. I'm going to take action. I want to see the reward from it. What is it going to take? Let me tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take you standing strong and being courageous. It's going to take you building your foundation, on, building a firm foundation. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take us as Christians to build a firm foundation because guess what? Rain will come. Guess what? Uh, uh, the storm will happen when we stand up for Jesus. Trust me on this one. And listen to this verse, Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching, follows it, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, through the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it's not going to collapse. He says that if the rain comes, the wind comes and beats against the house, it says it's not going to fall because it's built on the what? It's built on the rock. It's built on the rock. And then it goes on to say, but anyone who hears my teaching but does not obey is foolish. Because when the wind comes and the rain comes and the things happen in our lives, listen, I know you've never heard me say this before, so I'll say it again. You're either going into a storm, coming out of a storm, or you're living in a storm right now. Is that truth or what? 100% it is. And so when we go through these things and we have this stuff happen, here's what's going to go down right here. Listen, it says, put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then it keeps on and going, it goes on. It says, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So this is where the wise comes in. We have to build. If we're going to stand up, if we're going to have courage, if we're going to do what God calls us to do and stand for his word and for who he is, for the kingdom of God, then we have to have courage and we have to build our foundation on the rock. God is looking for people that are followers of Christ who will stand by their godly convictions.
This is who God's looking for. Even in the face of threat, of temptation, even in the face, uh, he, he's, he, he, he says this, even in the face of threat or temptation and won't compromise. We need to use our God-given convictions to guide our actions. That's what he wants from us. Bottom line is this, and I'm going to ask you to come play real soft and I'm going to close. Is this, what does real courage look like? Here's what real courage looks like. Living for Jesus when it seems like no one else is. Living for Jesus in this world when it seems like nobody else is living for Jesus. That's real courage. That's living for him. But when you build your house on this rock, when you build your house on that firm foundation, here's what's going to happen. When the storm does come, God's going to remind you that he's got your back. Has anybody ever been in here been reminded when God had their back? That you knew that God had your back? I hope you've been reminded of this. I asked Gino this morning if I could share this story. Gino is one of our security officers. He's here today, so you could go talk to him about this. And I'm not going to give you a lot of details of this, but I want to share a little bit of his story here, what happened uh, a while back. As you know, Gino is an armed security guard. He uh, protects us here, but he also has a company where he protects a lot of different places around, okay? <clears throat> and so there was a night that things got a little out of control. There was a night where that somebody uh, was doing some things and he was having to protect some people uh, and someone pulled a gun. They actually pulled a gun and took shots at Gino. Multiple bullets went flying by. If y'all would turn her on, that'd be great. Bullets went flying by, bullets went going everywhere. He had to return fire and stand up for him and himself. And by doing that, um, a lot of things took place. And again, I'm going to spare a lot of details here, but here's what happened. Gino had bullets fly left and the right, above, beside him. The police came. They took care of the matter. Doing this, Gino had to go back <clears throat> to the police station to fill out a report. He goes back to the police station to fill out a report, and as he's there filling out the report, doing his stuff, he's, he's taking off his gun belt, and he has got to turn in his gun, just do a whole bunch of things like that. He goes in, he takes off his bulletproof vest that he was wearing. As he takes off his bulletproof vest, he goes to lay it down uh, after taking off his shirt, bulletproof vest, and the shirt that he had underneath his bulletproof vest, he says to me, and y'all can ask him for this story, he looks down at it. And it was the shirt that he was baptized in, in that tub right there. He said it was freaky. I said it was Jesus. He said he looked down at it and he had this reminder, this incredible reminder of this. God's got your back. Yeah, he could have said, he could have had any shirt on. And then I don't think, I don't believe, don't get me wrong. Everybody's going, okay, I want one of those shirts. That's not, you know, don't. <clears throat> don't get one of those shirts and run out and go, huh, try to shoot me. That's not happening. That's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but I believe he put that shirt on that day because God knew what was going to happen. And Gino gave his life to the Lord. And Gino knew that he built his foundation on the rock. And that's Jesus Christ. And that night when that incident took place, God used that incident. He used that wearing that shirt to remind him who he belonged to. That's what was going on there. Strength and courage come from faith in Jesus. 
Strength and courage comes from faith in Jesus who stands strong and courageous for us. He was courageous when he went to the cross. He was courageous when he said, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die for your sins. What's God calling us to do, guys? Hey, what's God calling you to stand for today? Maybe God's calling you to take a stand to reach out to people who make you feel uncomfortable. Maybe God's calling you to take a stand uh, and financially to reach somebody for Jesus. Maybe God's calling you to take a stand uh, to, 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 uh, for, to forgive somebody who you feel is unforgivable. Maybe God's taking you to, maybe God is calling you to take a stand and give your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe this is the morning God's calling you to take a stand and surrender and give your life to the Lord. Just like Gino did that day. He gave his life to the Lord and then later on was reminded how good God was in that incident. Because he built that foundation. So would you close your eyes and be real still? As we pray, I'm going to ask you to look into your heart. Hey, one is this. What are you standing for? What are you standing for? Are you standing for Jesus? Are you standing for his, for his kingdom? Maybe some of you need to pray this morning to have that Esther-like courage. The courage to stand, the courage to stand up at work and claim that you are a Christian. Maybe the courage to stay, to say, you know, students, when you go back to school, when you go say, you know what, man, God is good and he is my Lord. To ask for courage to say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and share that and scream that from the rooftops. Yes, it takes courage in this world, but people need to hear it. So maybe you need to pray for that this morning. Hey, but maybe there's one of you in this room that you need Jesus Christ to rescue you this morning. That maybe that you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins this morning. Maybe you need to ask God to write your name in that Lamb's book of life so you know when your heart stops and it's gone, you know that you have a place in heaven because you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That he was buried. And he did that for you. And he forgives you no matter what you've done, where you've been, he says, I forgive you, and I give you a place in heaven. But it's about our hearts, not our heads. Maybe today is the day you began living for that. Maybe today is the day where you say, I'm going to build my foundation on the rock and not the sand. So if that's you in this room, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a prayer of you saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. So if that's you, just say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. God, I believe that you loved me so much that Jesus paid the debt for my sins. I believe in my heart that Jesus is real, that he is God, that he died on that cross for me. And so, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, my mistakes, my mess-ups. God, forgive me. Come into my life. I want to live for you forever. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm ready to live for you. 
I thank you. Thank you for loving us. With no one looking around. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, so I can pray for you? If you prayed that prayer this morning, you said, yes, Jesus. Okay. So what I'm going to do is this. You put your hands down. Come find me. Come find me in the back. Come find me, you know, in the, in the front, I mean, uh, when, when we leave. And say, hey, listen, I prayed that prayer. What's next? We talk through what it looks like to be baptized. But I don't want you to leave this place and not talking with somebody. So, Father, we love you this morning. We thank you that we can come and just celebrate. We thank you we can celebrate who you are. We celebrate fathers today, but Father, you are the Father. You're the Abba Father. God, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you are the Father to the fatherless. I thank you that I can call you Daddy. So, Lord, this morning as we continue to worship, and this song is talking about building our faith on that rock, and building on that love. God, I pray that we can worship you strong this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand, please? And we're going to sing this song. I want to encourage you just to hang out just for a little, just one more song here. There are still some more bands down here. You can come and grab some of these bands. If you haven't grabbed them already, you can take two or three of them if you'd like. But also, this altar is open for prayer. Let's sing strong this morning.